Our guest today is a motivational speaker and a world-class adventurer. He has background knowledge of the Iditarod Trail, both through dogs and on foot. He was the 2018 Iditarod Trail Invitational Champion. Please welcome to the show, Pete Ripmaster. Hi, Pete, and welcome to the show. Thank you. With this being the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod Sled Dog Race, we are going to start off with a little Iditarod trivia. We have five questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Question number one. Who founded the Iditarod? Joe Reddington. Correct. Second question. Who won the very first Iditarod? Uh, and I'm, uh, Dick Mackey? Close. Third question. No, tell the answer. Oh, the question is, I mean, the answer <laughs> is Dick Wilmer. Okay, that's right. Good, good on you. All right, next. The third question. Who was the first female Iditarod champion? Susan Butcher. Oh, no. Uncracked. Libby Biddle. Yep. Fourth question. What was the closest finish? Now that was Swenson and um, the, the one I mentioned earlier. Um, uh, help me out. I know it was Rick Swenson and, and Mackey. Yeah, Dick Mackey. By one second Dick in Mackey, And it was what an incredible finish that was. After mushing through a thousand miles, being neck and neck on Nome Front Street, that is some of the coolest history of the whole Iditarod. Fifth question. Who was the oldest person to ever finish the Iditarod? Oldest person to ever finish. I'm going to guess on this one, but I... Uh-oh. He's still there. You still there? Yeah. Can you repeat that? Oh, okay. Was the, for the oldest person, Charlie Boulding would be my guess. It was Norman Vaughn. He was 84. Oh, Norman was great. What is another legend? Okay, you're right. Yep, you got me on a number of those. You got three out of five correct. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, I live in Asheville, North Carolina with my family, my wife, and two little girls. Um, I'm a, I like to do adventures and I'm an ultra runner and um, I love Iditarod I history. I've been, I, I have loved Iditarod history since I've been your age. Um, I read the story of Balto when I was young boy and had dreams of finishing the Iditarod and I just, I, you know, ultimately I did it without dogs, but I still adore all the history and am so fired up about the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod.
Before we get into your running, let's talk about, let's talk sled dogs. Before you really got into running, you lived in Alaska and worked as a dog handler and brush dogs. Can you tell us, talk to us about this experience? Yes, that was some experience in my life. Uh, I worked for uh, Fred Agri, who was my Diderot finisher, and I also worked for Mitch Seavey. Um, uh, uh, in the early 2000s. Now, when I worked for Mitch, he had not won an Iditarod yet. Uh, he had got second place, second or third place. And then uh, when I worked for him, he had still not won. And so I was living there with Tyrell and Dallas. And uh, Dallas was in high school at the time. Dallas was still uh, wrestling in high school up in Alaska. And I lived with the Phoebe's and worked for them for a while and learned as much as I could. Um, ultimately, um, I, I didn't. It, it wasn't for me taking care of that many dogs. was a lot of hard work, and I and I needed to find something that was more um, on my own. But um, but working for the CBs and learning how to take care of myself in Alaska in the winter, I'll never, I'll never, ever, ever forget those memories. And it was really kind of the most simple time in my life too. I. I worked hard and I and I ate and I read and, and that was about it. So it was a beautiful time and a lot less complicated than life is right now. <laughs> we talked to Dallas the other day. Wonderful. Great. I'd love to hear that. That's that's awesome. I'm I'm pulling for him. I know he's tied with Rick. And I am certainly pulling for Dallas to, to do well. And I also, you know, have others that I pull for. But I've always been a fan of Dallas and, and know how hard he's worked and know what he's been through in that race. And uh, and I'm and I'm, a, I'm a big Dallas supporter. How did that interview go? Were you excited to interview Dallas? Yes. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Have you ever thought about going back up to Alaska to work with sled dogs again? You know, I, I don't think I went, you know, life is different for me now. Um, back when I was doing that, it was just me. You know, I didn't have a care in the world. It was, I didn't have any other responsibilities other than, you know, kind of doing my thing. And now it's different. Have a, a wife and kids, and I live here in Carolina, and this is my life here. Um, but, you know, I'll always have those memories, and I'll to Alaska. Um, I just don't, I don't, don't think I'll be running the dog soon. We heard on Facebook that you posted you've been asked by a huge company to come up to the Iditarod Slug Dog Race and give a speech before the race and be a dog handler at the start. First, can you share any more about this with us? Yeah, um, I am still working the details out with the company. Um, it's, it's good. I've already bought my plane tickets and all that, but I'm not I'm not ready to say what, what the company is. But I think you guys would be excited to hear that the um, um, I'm going to be handling for Team Double Sled Dog Team, and so the Anna and Christy Barrington, I'm going to be helping their team um, and, and being a handler for their team. And they're all they're also ultra runners. I didn't know if you guys knew that. Um, but they are also awesome runners, and I've got to know them a little bit through my running career. And so I called them once I knew I was coming up to Alaska and asked them if I could help, and they said yes. And so I'm going to be helping them and super excited about that. Thank you. 
Can you tell our listeners what a dog handler does at the start of the Iditarod? Yes, this will be a new this will be a new experience for me, but I have watched them before and I know that they help the mushers get all their crazy excited dogs to the gang line. So you have to bring the dogs to, you know, get them and they are, you know, they sniff all the energy in the air. So those dogs, as I'm sure you guys have seen at the start, they are just jumping all over the place trying to go, go, go. And so they need a lot of handlers to bring the bring those dogs up to the line, connect them, and then make sure that those dogs are taken care of until the musher kind of waves goodbye and gets going. And so um, this is new to me and, and the very definition of an adventure. So I'm excited to uh, go help in any way I can. I told them that I would be open to helping any way they needed it, you know, and so um this was kind of new to me too, but super exciting, especially being the 50th anniversary of the race. And so um, I'm fired up to get back up there. Uh, but, you know, I'm just kind of keeping things open as I go up there. Our teacher got to do that. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, do you guys follow the teacher on the trail too, I'm sure, huh? Yeah. You got to answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You've been involved with the Iditarod Trail in a different way than most of our guests. You have actually completed in the Iditarod Trail Invitational. Can you tell us about the Iditarod Trail Invitational? The Iditarod Trail Invitational is an is a, a awesome race that is human powered and powered. So. Uh, athletes like myself, uh, they either run like I did, and I use that term very loosely. It's more hiking, um, but but you, you're either on foot, you bike it um, on a fat tire bike, or you ski it. Um, the majority of people, I would say, bike the trail in the race that I do. Um, a, a good number and growing number do it on foot, and very few ski it. But, but yeah, we go a week before the sled dog race, and so um, over the years, I've had count of, you know, a bunch of interactions with the mushers because if we're going, if, if, the, if the people in my race are going to Nome, they get passed by all the mushers on the way to Nome. And so there's a lot of fun interactions between, you know, people in my race and people in the Iditarod sled dog race. And I would really like to say that there's a good relationship. Um, there's been some challenges in the relationship between having two different races on the same trail, um, but I think it's grown over the years, and I think there's a mutual respect between the races and certainly the racers. Um, we have a lot of respect for what the mushers do and what the dogs do, and I think the mushers and the and I would like to think the dogs have respect for what we do because we don't let you know we don't have the dogs pulling us. We are just human powered. So I hiked the trail and you know, I did that race five years in a row from 2014 to 2018 and finally got to Nome in 2018. So that was a, a, a thousand miles, but rather than the mushers that do it, you know, in a week or 10, 11 days, this took me 26 and a half days. So it's much different. Cool. Just like the Iditarod sled dog race, in order to complete in the ITI, you have to call off Qualify. Qualify. Or races you did to qualify. 
I, this, I'm so glad you asked that question. When I was interested in the, I, I did a rock trail invitational. That was in about 2013. Um, so that was close to 10 years ago. And when I reached out to the race director, um, I, I really didn't have, and I, although I had lived up in Alaska and, and worked for the mushers, I didn't have many qualifying races from winter running ultras. But because of the experience that I had and because of my tenacity and how, and, and, and how bad I wanted it, he gave me a chance to get in the race kind of without qualifiers. And that, that really can't happen these days because there's so many more people involved in the race and want to get into the race that they have to kind of go by the book. So I was kind of lucky to get in and then had to prove myself because my first year that I was on the Iditarod Trail, I got last place. So, um, you know, it wasn't always winning on the trail for me. It was a lot of hard learning and, and a lot of mistakes I made. Um, so to go from last place to first place. And so, um, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an awesome race. You won the Iditarod Trail Invitational in 2018. Can you talk to us about that race? That race was a dream come true for me. Um, I, it, like I told y'all before, I had a dream of getting to Nome when I was in fifth grade. Um, and I gave up that dream once I kind of gave up on my Iditarod sled dog race dreams. And then once I found out that there was another way that you could do the race on, on your own two feet, I knew it was for me. And I gave everything I had. I, I worked as hard as I could. Um, and everything came together that year. Um, I will say, and I love saying this in interviews, um, there's a guy that runs our race, um, and his, na his name is Tim Hewitt, and Tim Hewitt is a legend in our race, and he is, I think he's run to Nome nine times in his life and biked to Nome one time in his life, so um, usually he wins, and Tim, for some reason, Tim quit the year that I won. So I got pretty lucky because if Tim were to keep going on, Tim would beat me. He's a better athlete than me. So um, so he quit, and I had a chance to, to win in a year that there was only two finishers. So I, I feel like I feel like personally like God was looking after me, and he gave me an opportunity, and I just took massive advantage of that opportunity. But I had the most incredible 26 and a half days of my life. I still... I still think about it every day and uh, still hope to inspire others to, to get on that trail. I know for a fact that when Joe Reddington started the Iditarod, he also had visions of doing other races on the Iditarod. It wasn't just sled dogs that he wanted on the trail. So to think that nowadays there's a lot of different ways you can get onto the trail, I'm hoping to inspire more kids to get out there. And if it's not with dogs, which is awesome, there's other ways too, you know, biking and hiking and skiing. And so, that, you know, I'm just an advocate for the Iditarod Trail. I love the Iditarod Trail dearly. And that trail has shaped my life in a lot of ways. And so um, that 2018 was just uh, a lot of hard work and a lot of luck. And it came together for me to, you know, get to know him. And that was more important to me than winning the race was getting to know him. That was my goal. I was just lucky that I was able to be the first one to get there. How do you drink, eat, drink, and carry supplies for a thousand miles? Well, I have a sled. The UK, uh, racers have a sled that they haul behind them um, with all their gear in it. 
Um, the problem with the water is that a lot of water freezes. So many times I would wear what's known as, you know, so something like a camelback uh, with a bladder in it, and then I would wear it underneath my jacket, and so it wouldn't freeze certainly while I'm hiking, because when I'm hiking, I'm staying warm. So I keep the bladder on me, and I would put 100 ounces, every time I'd get to a checkpoint, I'd fill it up with warm, 100 ounces of warm water, and then I would have that, you know, and I would kind of sip on that until I got to the next checkpoint. Sometimes I would have to stop and make water like the mushers do, um, you know, as they do uh, with their stoves, and I would have to melt snow and make water and boil the water, and. Um, so that's a, a huge challenge. Um, I was massively dehydrated, so you were never able to drink enough that, that, that you needed. Um, you were always at a deficit. Same with food. Uh, food was really hard to eat, especially when you're hiking and you want to get places. Um, checkpoints were awesome because a lot of times you could get into checkpoints and, and get hot meals, which were, you know, the best thing in the world. But a lot of times it's just on the trail. It's just, you know, kind of junk food. It's like, um, sugar snacks and beef jerky and candy and you know and power bars and and you kind of get bored of all that food on the trail for that long so uh, many times you just put food in your mouth not because it tastes good but because it's energy and it's going to give you a little touch of energy but um, I want you kids to know when I started the race I was 210 pounds and when I finished I was 169 pounds so I lost over 40 pounds of weight uh, on the trail that year just because I was working so hard and sweating so much. And so that that was uh, that will probably make you guys understand my race a little bit more. <laughs> Which do you think you like better, running the dead run on foot or with dogs? I like it better on foot. Um, I love the dogs, but, you know, running 16 dogs is, is really tough. I think a lot of people kind of have a romantic vision of it like you know it's just these 16 beautiful dogs and it's you know it's real easy those dogs are tough to take care of they all need to eat they all poop all the time you know that a lot of them are in heat others are trying to fight the other ones and fight the other ones and you know i'm very you know i i have a family and that's about all i think i can take care of not you know 25 dogs so so that was a little much for me but i absolutely um have massive amount of respect for the mushers that run the dogs because they're awesome people uh, men and women who are super tough and smart and uh i also have a lot of respect for those dogs who, who as we know are the true athletes of the iditarod so um I love both. I, you know, I, I, I'm partial to my race because that's, you know, what I ended up doing and where I put most of my energy. But, you know, I respect that I did ride sled dog race so much, and I really love both of the races. You are currently doing a 100-mile project in which you are attempting to run a 100-mile run in all of the 50 states. Can you tell us about that project? Yes, I'm calling that project the Owl Run 100. When I was on the Iditarod Trail my first year in 2014, I had a snowy owl come and visit me while I was in last place by myself. And it came to visit me, and it was a spiritual encounter. It was an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. And it, and it really changed a lot about that race for me that year. So I kind of remembered the owls. And then when I got done running the Iditarod on foot, I got back home and I thought, well, what do I do now? I've already run 50 marathons in 50 states, and now I've kind of 
live my dream of getting to know them. And so now what do I do? And I thought back to those owls and I thought, how could I help owls and, and research owls and help with the um, conservation of owls? And I found a place called Owl Research Institute and it's in Montana and it's a nonprofit in Montana. And so I decided, I found out that there were 1,500 people that have run 50 marathons in 50 states in the United States. And there are zero that have run a 100-mile run in all 50 states. So I thought, man, that's a, great, that's a great thing for me to do. And so I am 17 states into the project. I've raised close to $24,000 so far for Owl Research Institute. My goal is to raise $50,000 for them with all my runs. And I'm 17 states in, and I'm leaving this week for Arizona, which I'm hoping will be state 18. So it's a long-term project that's probably going to take me five more years uh, to, to finish 30-plus 100-mile runs, and they're nearly impossible, each one in their own right. So uh, I'll just take one at a time and, and give my full mindfulness to, to each one. But, yes, that is that is the project that I'm working on currently. Our final segment of the show is a segment we are bringing back from our first season. It is called Mushroom Mount Rushmore. If you had to replace the four presidents on Mount Rushmore with the four faces of the Iditarod, who would they be? You can pick anyone that has anything to do with the Iditarod. Uh, that's an awesome question. I love that. Um, let me say that I would say Libby Riddle be on that, on that because I think they're awesome women, and at a time when not a lot of women were running the Iditarod, these girls, these girls and women became champions of the Iditarod. And I know for a long time, not a lot of people thought that would ever happen. And so I love the fact that they just said, well, you don't think it will happen? Well, that's cool. Watch this. And they went and won the Iditarod. So they are legends to me. Um, I would say... Um, I would say, oh man, I love Charlie Boulding. Um, I don't know if you guys know much about him, but he's one of these old school mushers who was really tough and, and, and very interesting. Um, I think he's on there. And then I would have to give some props to my boss, Mitch Seavey. I would have to put Mitch up there. Uh, Mitch gave me a job a while ago and has always been good to me. Um, you know, and so I think those four would be up there. But man, you know, I have so many others. I like Martin Boozer. Um, I, I, I definitely like the Baron Twins. They've been they've been awesome mushers for a long time. Dallas is great. Um, I, I like Yor. Yor is also another one of my favorites. Um, I always root for him. Other a couple times on the trail in 2018. That was the year he won the race, and that was the year I won the race. And when we got halfway to Iditarod, someone took a picture of us and said, enjoy being in the lead because there's no way each of you will win the Iditarod. And what do we both do? We both won it. So I always pull for him, too. So, um, yeah, those, those would be some of my favorites. Um, yeah, I would say those, those would be up there. Thank you so much for talking with us today, Pete. Good luck in your finishing your 100-mile project. Thank you so much. I love your class, and sometime I hope you'll ask me again. This was my second time, and I love every time I, I get to speak with you. You guys do a great job. Keep up the good work. You know, I'm helping anyway.
Thank you. Special thanks to Favorite Master for being on our show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or leave you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. Don't forget, iDuteronEDU is now on TikTok. Please go follow. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the Iditarod Chill song, and our outro song, In the Land of the Midnight Sun. They call this race the Iditarod Trail. To me, it's Reddington's Run. In my heart, it's Reddington's Run. From the city lights of Anchorage to the finish line of Nome, you never find a village that he couldn't call his home. And no matter how hard the going got, he was never afraid to run. Where another man would just give it in, Joe had just begun. Here's to Joe and it's off we go in the land of the midnight sun. Call this race the Iditarod Trail To me it's Reddington's Run In my heart it's Reddington's Run Now a cold wind blows And everybody knows it'll never be the same Every musher cried on the night you died And every husky howled your name Here's to Joe and it's off we go In the land of the midnight sun They call this race the Iditarod Trail To me it's Reddington's Run In my heart it's Reddington's Run Hey, here's to Joe and it's off we go In the land of the midnight sun They call this race the Iditarod Trail To me it's Reddington's Run May it always be Reddington's